Welcome back to another Slab Stocks podcast. I'm your host, Sam. Today we are talking NBA news over the past week or so as it relates to the card investment world. I wanted to start out with some injury news. Kind of a brutal week for the investor. Starting with Jonathan Isaac, which was really upsetting news for me personally. Isaac, he's been having this awesome season so far. He's always been good defensively, but he's made some real offensive strides as well this year. Went down about a week ago with what's being called a posterior lateral corner injury, as well as a bone contusion to his left knee. I won't pretend to know what that means at all, um, but I do know that the Magic have applied for a disabled player exception so that they can find a free agent replacement for Isaac, so the implication is that he's going to be lost for the year. Huge bummer in what's been somewhat of a breakout season for him. You know, obviously knee injuries are always a concern, especially for an athletic player like Isaac, uh, but the Magic do seem to be taking the long view and prioritizing his recovery since originally he was expected to come back in early March. Now it looks like he's not going to return at all. So I am buying at this time with Isaac. You know, in the summer, his Prism Silver PSA 10s were going for around 50 bucks. Those have risen all the way up to, over to the, the 110s in the end of October, early November. Then they sort of stagnated back down to the low 80s over the past couple of weeks. If his market continues to drop, especially since he's out for right now, this could be a good buying opportunity for us. I expect him to come back healthy next year, and I really expect him to continue doing what he's done this year, if not make, taking another leap entirely. Uh, also going down with a knee injury the past week, Kevin Porter Jr. Approaching the NBA trade season, I had mentioned that Kevin Porter would be one to watch if the Cavs made any trades. Lo and behold, Clarkson was on the outs, and Porter's minutes were on the rise. January 5th against the Wolves was the second start of his career, the first since mid-November, and after 19 minutes, he went down with a knee sprain after his foot was stepped on by Robert Covington. Originally, he was expected to be reevaluated in two weeks, and now he's projected to miss four to six weeks. Just a major bummer for what looked like a young player who's, who's shown a lot of promise so far and was finally going to be getting the minutes to prove himself. You know, all of his cards can still be had for pretty cheap, uh, but he was already a wild card to begin with, and now with this uh, kind of long-term injury, I guess buyer beware. We don't know what he's going to look like when he returns, and maybe his moment will have passed him by. You know, the, the NBA can be very humbling for a young player. It would have been really nice for us to see what he could do over the next four to six weeks. would have been great, helpful evaluation for investors. Instead, he's going to be on the sideline. I'm not really sure what to do with him at the moment. Uh, if you have him, he's a hold, obviously. If you if he's cheap and you want to, if you want to take the chance, buy him, um, but... We really don't know what's going to happen after this point. Last night, Joel, M Joel Embiid tore a ligament in his hand. He's going for surgery today, and he'll be reevaluated in a few weeks. Obviously, that won't affect his market at all, but it per could mean good things perhaps for Ben Simmons. Uh, Simmons is already relatively pretty expensive. PSA 10 Prism Silver is going for around 900 to to 1000 bucks, even as high as $1,200. Uh, but he's one of these guys who's had so much hype, and sometimes that hype has surpassed his production. Part of the problem for him is he's had a rather difficult fit in Philadelphia with Embiid this year, with with uh, Butler last year. Um, but right now, you have Embiid sidelined for a few weeks. Now it's his time to prove himself. If, over the next couple weeks, he has a couple of big games, uh, that hype should really drive up his market quite a bit, as we've seen with some other hype-driven players. Moving on from the injury news, uh, the next thing I wanted to discuss is narrative. In the NBA, narrative drives so much of the hype, and the narrative often takes a while to catch up to reality. 
and narrative. It's usually developed in the first four weeks of the season or so, maybe even the first week of the season in some cases. And then with certain players, it really doesn't matter what happens from that point on. The narrative tends to stick even if it's no longer true. It's usually only after the All-Star break or maybe even the playoffs that the narrative will begin to shift again. We see this uh, perfectly pictured in a guy like Devontae Graham. I talked about him last week. He had started out the year as one of the huge surprises of the season. He had made 12 threes in the first two games of the year and was one of the real front runners for most improved player. On November 16th, he nailed 9 out of 16 threes. And hey, the NBA really only pays attention to a team like the Hornets during these type of performances. So Devontae Graham quickly became one of the darlings of the league. Second round pick afterthought that played his way into starting minutes and was lighting the league on fire from deep. Only problem was that he really wasn't a great shooter. He was only shooting 41% from the field through that November 16th game. Uh, But the highlights were so impressive that no one was really paying attention to that. Since that point, it has gotten uglier. Over his last 15 games, Devontae Graham is only shooting 33% from the field. He's had a few fine shooting performances in the past week, shooting over 46% on two straight games. Uh, But two nights ago, he was 3 for 15, good for 20%. And listen to the other performances uh, over the past 10 games. 3 for 8. 3 for 12, 5 for 18, 6 for 21, 6 for 17, 7 for 22, 3 for 16, 4 for 15, 3 for 18, 4 for 14, 12 for 21, 9 for 19, 4 for 17. Maybe that was the past 15 games, I don't know. Uh, You just cannot shoot that badly and continue to get playing time. You can on a team like the Hornets because they're terrible and they really have nothing to play for other than the development of young guys like Devontae Graham. But soon enough, this narrative is going to begin to, or the narrative is going to be able to catch up with this performance. Uh, the last PSA 10 Prism Silver went for 250 bucks a week ago. His ungraded silvers are going for around $60. I just don't think this is going to continue. Now is your window of, window of opportunity to unload. Now, people say all the time with guys like this, all he has to do is shoot better and he's going to be a star. Yeah, well, all I had to do was throw 30 miles per hour faster and I'd be a pitcher in the MLB. These things just don't generally change like that. It's not that simple. Another player that's benefited from early season narrative has been Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I'm a Bucks fan, so I love Malcolm Brogdon. He's my president. Uh, He has been injured lately, and that kind of meshes with his career thus far. He started out the season as another one of these real front runners for the most improved player. even heard a few people throw out his name as a deserving MVP candidate leading the surprising Pacers team. Uh, you still hear it today. Bucks should have never let this guy walk. Oh, the Bucks, they're cheap. Oh, you need to get rid of their ownership. All this different stuff about the Bucks letting this guy walk uh, because they weren't willing to pay him $20 million. If you stop paying attention to the narrative and start paying attention to the player, you'd see that his white-hot scoring to start the season, 22 points a game in October, fell to 18.5 points a game in November, to 15.2 in December. Offensive rating of 126 to start the year, lighting the league on fire, then just 111 in November, now down to 108 in December, and his defensive rating's been worse. He's only shooting 33% from three this year, which you just don't hear about. Shockingly, only 1.4% better than the Greek freak, who the narrative is still, if only he could shoot from three, although that's obviously uh, shifting with him. Uh, So Brogdon, 
is PSA 10's Prism Silvers. They were going for $50 in the offseason. They've jumped 117% to 134 on his most recent sale. And while I think he's a good player, I think the early season hype has outstripped his actual performance, and we could see a correction coming later this season. Speaking of hype, I'm tired of talking about this guy, so I only want to spend a minute on him. Michael Porter Jr., he was just skyrocketing in the card market a few weeks ago, and I said at that time that he, you know, he has a game like this, and it'll jump because everyone's just got jockage waiting for this guy to do something. And as I said, if he didn't shoot 92% in his 25-point game, then we're looking at a non-breakout performance, and we should adjust our expectations accordingly. Well, in three games since, 12 minutes, 20 minutes, 14 minutes, and 7.2 rebounds, 4.3 rebounds, Two points, three rebounds. Really just kind of a stinker of a week for Michael Porter Jr. I think he'll still be an offensive dynamo next year, maybe. But we should not be expecting him to break out this year. The minutes are simply not there, and Malone just isn't going to make him the focal point anytime soon. He might still have some nice games every few weeks, and whenever that happens, everyone's just going to be tripping balls to run out and go and grab him. But for the most part he's going to be relatively stagnant the rest of the 2019-2020 season. His PSA 10 silvers are still way up in the air, 234 on his most recent sale. I fully expect those to cool at least somewhat as the year goes on, but with this guy, who really knows? He could go for two weeks doing nothing and then have a 25-point game and the market jumps up another 100 bucks. but it really should not be doing that, not until next year at least. A uh, guy who the market has cooled off on recently is Marvin Bagley. A lot of people really want this guy to be good, but he has had a tough season so far. He's only played nine games this season, only started in three of them, uh, but he has played relatively well in that time. He doesn't really offer much as a player outside of points and rebounds, but per 36 minutes, since he hasn't played a whole ton in his games, uh, per 36 minutes, he's averaged 20.9 points and 10.5 rebounds. Uh, of course, he has been out nonstop. Fractured his hand in the season opener. He was out for six to seven weeks, some, somewhere in there. Uh, came back, played for two weeks, then suffered a foot injury. Neither of these injuries should be career-threatening at all, but you know, the disappointing campaign so far has hurt his card market. He's down 30% since the start of the season, nearly 30% since the start of the season. So I'm looking at Bagley as a discount right now. I don't think he'll ever be much more than a points and rebounds guy, but he should do enough in those areas to remain popular for quite some time. So uh, until but before Bagley gets back and hopefully plays out the rest of the year, I think he's at a discount at the moment. Next, we need to talk about Shea Gilgis-Alexander. This dude has been a top 40 player in the league so far, and he's only gotten better as the season has progressed. Uh, playing alongside Chris Paul coming into the year, we were worried about what we were going to see from him. Shea has quieted all concerns. Playing 35 minutes a night, averaging 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. Not only that, he's been doing it in less than ideal conditions. He has played 236 minutes this year alongside of Schroeder and Chris Paul in a 3-point guard lineup, and they've been crushing it. The team's offensive rating in those minutes is 125, the defensive rating of 97, which, for a very young part Point, a very young point card to be a part of that is extremely impressive. Remember a few years back, I think it was uh, 2015, 
when the Suns, you know, the Suns were one of these real up-and-coming young teams, and they were trotting out something we've never really seen before, trotting out three point guards in Dragic and Isaiah Thomas and Eric Bledsoe. It uh, seemed like, you know, ev- everything was coming up Suns. And those three talented guards, they couldn't really make it work, and they slowly became disgruntled, and soon enough, Isaiah Thomas was shipped out, and Dragic was shipped out, and then, you know, Eric Bledsoe, I don't want to be here, the famous tweet, um, they started getting jettisoned around the league, and that's really kind of plays into why this has been so impressive from the Thunder. Uh, all three of them have been, been impressive, but especially for a young guard like Gilgis Alexander to get thrust into this less-than-ideal role and be crushing it, it's incredible. As PSA 10s have been going for around $300, um, and I fully expect Shea Gilgis Alexander to be one of the best point guards in the league for years to come. Uh, I view him as very good long-term investment. Another young guard that we should talk about, um, especially because he's been playing very well the last couple weeks, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball has had a a tough first season in New Orleans so far. 12 points, 5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, not shooting very well. And this was supposed to be his real breakout year. Um, get out of L.A., get out of LeBron's shadow, get away from his dad. This move to New Orleans was supposed to pay off, and it hadn't, at least not until a few weeks ago. Over his last seven games, Lonzo was averaging 18.4 points, 6.3 rebounds, 6.4 assists, and he's shooting 47% from the field and 40% from three. I don't know if this will stick, but he came in with pedigree, and we've always hoped that you know this is the type of player that was in there. We often expect players to just get better from season to season. Like they go in the offseason, they work on things, and next year they magically comes out better. Doesn't usually happen like that. Sometimes they take leaps from week to week in the middle of the season and rather unexpectedly. It seems to be the case with Lonzo Ball. His PSA 10 silvers are going for uh, mid-170s over the past few weeks, which is really right in line where he's been with uh, with where he's been the last few months um, but he is down 50 to a hundred dollars even from where he was going uh, at the end of the offseason I think Lonzo Ball is a watch for the moment uh, you know you want to see if he can keep this up for another week or so but if he does I think you start buying before the market starts to catch up lastly uh, we ended last week's show with talk about Siko Dumbuya Uh, Might as well end this week's with him as well. He has been starting all week, and it sure seems likely that Blake Griffin's going to be out for the rest of the season. Neither Christian Wood nor Thon McCurr are going to be stealing his minutes. Uh, So Dumbuya should have all the time he can handle for the rest of the season. Kind of a fun mystery box sort of player. Mixed bag of results so far, but he has stuffed the stat sheet on a couple occasions, especially against the Warriors almost a week ago. He scored in double figures four out of his last five games. He shot it relatively well. Last night, he struggled with fouls, so only played 20 minutes, tallied eight points and a rebound, an assist, and a block. Um, But he did hit two threes. I was able to watch his game last night, and as a player, he's intriguing. One of these stretchy, athletic, kind of defensive bigs, um, I would recommend maybe snatching up a few silvers if you can. His ungraded silvers are going for around $50 right now. I think he's a, you know, a buy up now and, and wait and see what happens. He's going to have the opportunity to prove himself and we don't know what he'll do. So uh, kind of a fun for the investment community. All right, that is all that I have time for. Thanks for listening.